0: There is a lot happening, and you can find all of that, uh, all those events on our website or our Facebook page. Um, If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, or your smartphones if you have a Bible app, or if you don't have anything, it'll come up on the screen in just a moment. Uh, We've been in the middle of a series called Culture Clash, uh, a study of 1 Corinthians looking at... uh, The truth of how God's word can give us guidelines to living biblically, uh, living faithfully for God, And not embracing the pagan things of our culture and not letting that infiltrate our faith. Because if we adopt or or try to blend in unhealthy things about our culture into the church, we lose our prophetic voice to the world. If we look like the world, how are we any different and the Corinthian church was doing that, and we are a lot, our culture is a lot like the Corinthian culture. Uh, Corinth was uh, in the time of Rome. Paul planted the church 2,000 years ago. It was a wealthy city. It had a party atmosphere. It was very, there, there were something like 13 different temples or different gods, so we were looking at the every chapter in 1 Corinthians as how to be a prophetic voice to our culture. I wanted to use the word culture class because there's some things about our faith that does clash with um, the world around us. And so today, uh, we're looking at, again, chapter 14. We, we just read the entire chapter last week, and I never got to, to my message notes. So today, I'm going to get to my notes and hopefully unpack the rest of it. But the clash today is the church in Corinth was very spiritual, spiritual. Um, we would use the term, of course it wasn't a term back then, we would use the term, they were very charismatic, outgoing church, and so Paul had to bring some correction and some balance to their physical gatherings. However, he never once tells them to stop doing those things, he just tells them to do it in an orderly way. And so today, we're going to continue the conversation, and this is the chapter we're Paul talks about the two probably most two controversial gifts of the Holy Spirit now if you remember from last week quick recap from last week as we read all of chapter 14 uh, Paul really zeroes in on the gift of prophecy and on the gift of tongues now the gifts of the Holy Spirit the word gifts comes from the Greek word charismata or charisma or charis is the base Greek word and it means a grace from God They're, they're, they're grace gifts God's empowered you to operate in the gifts and last week we talked about how if you were to purchase a computer, you have lots of programs inside that computer. So I've been preaching from an iPad, and inside this iPad, if I was to open up, these are all the different apps. I hardly use all these apps, um, but every one of these different apps is a different function. There's only two or three that I access often, but I have the ability to access every one of them. Well, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in us if we're a believer. And you have access to every one of these You may operate or you may have a leaning or uh, there may be a certain gifting that that the Holy Spirit maybe often compels you, prompts you to walk in. But you can walk in all of them and you can grow in all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So today uh, we want to talk about the two in chapter 14 because they're probably the most controversial ones. The gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues. so And if you don't know what that is, uh, and the clash that we talked about last week, I want to reiterate today, is the clash is in the Western world. So this is not the whole world. It's the minority. We are the minority. Even though we have the, all the wealth, we, it doesn't mean we, 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 we have all knowledge of everything God just because we have wealth. Wealth doesn't mean godliness. Listen, the rest of the world operates in the gifts of the Spirit a whole lot more than we do. And we have a, a, a soup. we have a bias. We, we are a bias against the supernatural. We no longer believe. In the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's 20, the, the Bible references between Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, about 20-some gifts, that word "charisma," or, or keraas" or charismata all of those there's about 20-some. And I don't think it's exhaustive. I think it's just what Paul happens to mention. Now, These two seem to be the most controversial in the Western world because we have an anti-bias against the supernatural. That's the clash. Will we just adopt the way of the Western thinking and the Enlightenment way of thinking, or will we really believe we have access to God's voice? We have access to God's power and His Holy Spirit in our life. So we're not going to read the whole thing again today, but I just want to hit the first five verses today because they um, will, will set us up for our discussion today. Paul said in first one of chapter 14, follow the way of love. Now, everybody loves that. Everyone loves that part of the message of the Christian faith. Follow the way of love and desire gifts, plural, of the spirit, especially prophecy. So today we're going to talk about what is prophecy? What is tongues? What does that mean? Um, and we, we get today I just want to reiterate a couple of things. I understand that there's some hesitation about this. We've seen abuse in this. Or there may be some misunderstanding. I think that probably the primary thing is either religious uh, tradition keeps us from wanting to operate in this. We, we've come out of a, a, uh, a Christian background or a traditional background that doesn't believe in these things. Even though the scripture is very clear that we should walk in them. Uh, or we just have a fear it. And I, I want to normalize this. I want, I want us not to walk in fear, but to walk in the things that God has for us. So we're going to bring clarity for this today. So follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening encouraging and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So not that one is more important than the other. He's just saying the context of each one. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. This is why I personally believe we all can do this. There's other scriptures that that, that support that, but this is one of them. I would like every one of he would not say that unless it's possible. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. So he's talking about in the church context, verse verse uh, uh, four. For the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets. So it's equal if there's interpretation within the church context, so that the church may be edified. So today I, I want to talk about. Uh, the purpose, what, what is prophecy, what is tongues, and the purpose of it. It's very important as Christians that we understand this. The reason why it's important is because our Christian experience, uh, the level of our understanding of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is going to determine our Christian experience. I am going to say that again. I said this last week. This is very important the level to which we understand and operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit is going to determine our Christian experience. And the reason why is is because um, he says, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. And so we can look at other people and say, wow, they, they seem to be doing it. Well, they probably are walking in the gifts of the Spirit. So I want to talk about that because the clash is this. Some believe the power of God and the gifts of the Spirit ceased 2,000 years ago after the apostles died. There's nothing in scriptures that tell us that. In fact, even early church fathers, after the apostles, you see them operating in the gifts and functioning of the Holy Spirit. And so so it's never ceased. But there are some that believe that. And out of that theology, we will live out that tradition. And so therefore, we're not walking all the full in the the impact that we have uh, of the Holy Spirit. So today, I want to talk about the purpose of prophecy and the purpose of tongues. So let's start with the gift of prophecy because that's the one he said he would... Paul puts limits on tongues in the in, in in the context of the church. He puts parameters is probably a better way to say it. He doesn't limit it because he says don't forbid it, but he puts some guidelines and some parameters on both prophecy and tongues. So Number one, here's the purpose of the gift of prophecy. Now, let me just be clear. When I say prophecy, I'm not talking about Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel type prophecy. We're not talking about old time prophets who prophesy in times or prophesied the Messiah. That's on par with Scripture. No, no, no. It's not what we're saying. We're talking about the gift of prophecy that is in us from God, the New Testament. So here's what it means. It's to share a message of encouragement imparted by the Holy Spirit. How do we know this? Because we read in verse 3, the one who prophesies speaks for the strengthening, encouraging, and comfort of the church, or the people in church. Uh, the second piece I want you to understand about this, so when, when we're walking in the, in, the, in the gift of prophecy, we should be strengthening people and encouraging them and comforting them, their hearts. It expresses the heart of God to other people. So um, when we're talking about strengthening, and we're talking about encouraging, we're talking about bringing comfort to people, I don't think Paul's being exhausted, but he kind of, he's, he's wanting them to know, "This is why you would do this. This, this is for the yeah, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit should, at some point, because they're from God, not only be benefiting us, but be benefiting the other people. Listen, the enemy'll want to discourage you in your presence. So, sometimes when we are discouraged, God will prompt us with a word to bring encouragement to somebody. The enemy will, will want to talk to you and speak and try to bring definition about your past, right? So, uh, he, he, he'll want to condemn you for maybe the way you live brings it. Well, the Lord could use and prompt somebody through, through the prompting of the Holy Spirit to speak a word of encouragement or a strengthening to you if you're experiencing that. Look, we need the voice of the Holy Spirit because the the voice of the enemy will try to discourage you, will try to condemn you, will will try to rob you of your future. And it takes the power of the Holy Spirit. This is important. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen and encourage in a godly way. So years ago when I was a worship pastor, I was uh, leading worship in Indiana at a, a worship conference. And... We ended the, the conference with a night of worship, and uh, this young man who, who uh, came forward at the end, he, he was like, that was amazing, and he said, I've walked away from my faith, and he's sitting there, and he's, he's weeping as, as he's telling me this, and he's talking about like that night, how he encountered God, and, and so we're talking, and as he's talking to me, the whole time I'm hearing in my mind sexual confusion. It's just this is his thought, and this is how the gift of prophecy, the word of knowledge, or even the word of wisdom works. So, you know, Paul's uh, focusing on prophecy in this, but the gift of prophecy, the gift of discernment, the gift of knowledge, the word of knowledge, or the, or the word of wisdom, and we, we wouldn't think those have ceased, would we? Certainly, discernment's. Still available to God's people. Certainly, we should be walking in wisdom. I mean, James chapter one tells us to pray for it. Uh, The gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, like these things still are functioning believers. So we don't want to dismiss prophecy in tongues just because we don't understand it. But prophecy works like the word of knowledge. And what happens is this God giving you a word of encouragement to somebody else. Simply, that's what it is. And so I'm hearing as he's talking to me, and I think this was a word of knowledge, Coming on me, I kept hearing sexual confusion. At first, I thought that's me, but it wouldn't go away, and it was like it was echoing. It kept, it kept repeating like a repeater in my mind, in my spirit, and it was getting louder in my spirit to where I just cannot ignore this. And so I just, I just stopped him. I would never met this guy. And so I just simply said, hey, can I stop you for a second? He's like, yeah. And he's going on like, I'm giving my heart back to Jesus. He got saved again. He rededicated his life that night in the night of worship. And I said, listen, I hear the word sexual. I don't know if this means anything to you, but I hear the word. I, I hear the, the, the phrase sexual confusion just keeps coming to my mind. Does that mean anything to you? And then he really starts weeping. And he says, yes, I've been living so and immoral. Now, Listen. The purpose of prophecy is to strengthen and to encourage. He needed to be strengthened in a certain way. Now, most people fear like, I don't want a prophetic word. God's going to call out my sin. Normally, that doesn't happen. Uh, but in this point, it's never to shame. It's it's never to bring public correction in front of people. This was a private moment. And so I'm just, so I'm ministering to him personally. And I say, hey, I hear this word. Uh, does that mean anything? You said yes. And he has this moment of repentance before the Lord. There's this restoration. And that is in part, how the gift of prophecy works. Last week, um, last Sunday night, we drove up to Ludington, Michigan to be part of their prophetic presbytery. And so what that is, is we, we prayed for uh, three different couples. We don't know their names. We don't know who they are. But myself, Pastor Lee, another pastor, uh, drove up to Ludington and we prayed for these people. It is a public service. And we just prayed all week long and God would give us words for them. And it was crazy. For instance, the last person, that the last couple we spoke to, as the Holy Spirit was giving impressions, we would write them down all week long, and we'd share, as I prayed for you, this is what the Lord gave me. Really simple. We try to, we, we, we think it's this, heaven's parting. Boom, whoa, <laughs> angels appearing in like a scroll and a hand, writing on a scroll right in front of us, and it's super dramatic, and now God could certainly do that. But really, it's just impressions, that he drops into our hearts and our minds and our spirit. It's not weird. Uh, and I'm sure God can do that. I mean, we've seen that in scriptures. He did that for King, I believe it was king one of the kings in the book of Daniel. like He sees a hand. However, most of the time, it's just the Holy Spirit prompting something in your spirit. So that's what we're doing all week long. We're praying for these candidates, leaders at this other church. We don't know their names, and we do that on purpose because we don't want... We want it to be above reproach that we're actually hearing God for them. So, the third candidate, uh, she's uh, a couple up there. And while I was praying for her during the week, I just seen her, uh, a woman, in a schoolroom writing on a chalkboard. And I seen, like, you know, young people gathering around her. And uh, so I said, the first thing out of them, My mouth, I I can't remember her name, but I I said, hey, when I prayed for you, what I seen was, and I shared that, what I seen. And the whole church starts laughing because she's a teacher. And then I start talking about, uh, I wonder if there's a call in your life to minister to young couples and to mentor other couples and marriages in the church. And her and her husband start laughing. The church starts laughing because they were running the marriage uh, program and mentorship for that church. See, and what is happening, I'm strengthening the calling on her life as a teacher. It's a prophetic word, and I'm strengthening. I'm affirming, like, yes, you're in the right vein. And the thing you're doing with marriage is yes. That's the the, the gift. uh, Has that not showed up yet? Because I've been teaching it. I'm sorry. Can you put that up? I thought I... Yes. I read all this, but I'm just realizing that didn't go up in front of you guys. Here is the purpose. To share a message of encouragement imparted by the Holy Spirit. It should strengthen, encourage, and comfort and expresses the heart of God to others. Take a picture of that if you're writing notes because I'm moving on to the next one. Uh, That's the purpose of Prophecy. And you say, like, well, how does that work it, well, you get be with you and the Lord? And we're going to talk about how, how to unpack it in just a minute. How does it work is just moments with God, spending time with God, and He'll deposit things in your heart for people. Now, probably the most controversial one is tongues. So the purpose of tongues, here it is, throw it up, purpose of tongues. Yes, thank you. Uh, tongues is... Speaking supernatur- supernaturally a language not known to the individual this is, that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is all over the book of Acts. This is all over 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. Now this is the one that is the most controversial in our culture. It's not controversial in the rest of the world. It's just the Western culture because we have a supernatural antibias. We don't believe that this could happen. However, there are 600 million Christians who pray in tongues. But somehow, in our Western intellectual superior knowledge, those 600 million all have it wrong. Or maybe we got it wrong. And I submit our Western culture is that's the kingdom class that's the culture class no God didn't get it right or God uh, we got it wrong God got it right it wasn't like God was up in heaven and had a bad day and say let's just throw out the most controversial gift out there it's you know he wasn't like it wasn't like God was drunk and let's give him a crazy one and like the gift of tongues and but most people in our culture fear this but you talk to any missionary in developing nations or anywhere in, who are on a missions field in the southern hemisphere. They are encountering the demonic. They, they are having real deliverances. They, 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 they get a prayer language because they don't know. Because there is they've run out of words to pray. So God has to give them a prayer language. Listen, it is supernatural, certainly. But it's available to all of us. So. The purpose of tongues, what we read in verse 2, is they utter mysteries by the Spirit. Tongues is speaking supernaturally a language not known to us as an individual, but it's empowered by God. It's a prayer language. This would I say the primary reason, uh, and what we see in 1 Corinthians 14, this is the primary reason Paul says we are to use it. As a prayer language, we read this last week, if I pray in a tongue, that's where that term comes from, prayer language. If I, verse 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays and anyone, and what we read this morning, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Paul isn't saying that as like, that's, you know, that it's a selfish reason. No. And Jude tells us the same thing, that we're to pray in the spirit. Romans 8 is another verse in the Bible. It says that we do not know, we do not know how to pray. So the Holy Spirit with, um, with uh, utters and groans. He's, he's talking about a prayer language. Because the purpose of this is there would be things that we don't know how to pray. It's a mystery to us, but not to God. That's why Paul said they utter mysteries by the Spirit. Number three, it strengthens the church when accompanied by gifts of interpretation. Now, I do think that Paul does give some parameters and limits this in the church gathering. He tells us why. Last week we read because people uninformed. Two reasons. One, uninformed. They don't know it. Um, And two, they think you're crazy. He did say, they said, they'll think you're out. If you do this in public settings without the proper context and the right explanation, they'll think you're out of your mind. And I think that we should um, heed God's word. And so if you ever hear, and it's very rare, because three times in my 25 years in ministry have I ever prayed in my prayer language publicly, in, in on a Sunday or a Wednesday or you know, a, a large gathering. I've certainly done it in community groups, and I pray unapologetically, by the way. I have a, you should know this about your pastor. I have a prayer language. It was, a, It's the thing that just turned, changed, I said, shared this last week, it just turned my life around. It's the thing that that, that, that that compels me, and every single day I pray in the Spirit. I have a prayer language, and I do what Paul says. If you go back and reword for uh, chapter 14, he says, I will pray with my understanding, with my own you know, natural language, born language, which is English, and I'll pray in the Spirit. I'm going to do both. Uh, the reasons why God gives us this uh, is, one, he may give you a prayer language for evangelism. Acts chapter two talks. That's where we first see this in the Bible. Um, in Acts chapter two, one hundred and twenty believers are praying together. God gives them all a language they did not know, but it was a known language to others. This is the rarest you actually see. So some people say, "Well, unless it's that, it's it's not godly. No, no, no. That's actually you have less scriptural support for that than any others. However, I do know. A, a, uh, one of my in-laws, their mother uh, is, is part Indian, and she this was back in, the, I think, the late 70s, early 80s. She's on an Indian reservation where there was a tent meeting, Christian tent meeting, and they're evangelizing to this Indian tribe. And she's there. She hears the message of Jesus for the first time. And uh, so she's at this Indian reservation. She doesn't know the dialect or the native language of, of her tribe but, because she you know, grew up in Michigan and, and learned English. Uh, so she's just learning about her heritage as an Indian. But she's at this, this big tent revival thing. She gives her heart to the Lord. And as she's walking down the aisle, she said she, a language came on her like a Holy Spirit came on her and a language started coming out of her mouth. She had no idea. She, she didn't know what was happening. And she said it was beautiful. It was life-giving. She's, she's like ecstatic, just like, what is going on? And, and she's walking down the aisle. And the tribal, the Indian tribe was astonished because they knew her, knew that she didn't know her language, but she was speaking the native language of that Indian tribe. Right here in the United States, don't put God in a box, and don't let your tradition or your theology or bad theology—if you learn from another denomination—that want that that claims to that this is their base. When I'm like, are you reading the Bible? Because it's all over our script, all over the Book of Acts, like. um, four or five different chapters, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 19, and then one in between there with Paul at, or, or um, Peter at Cornelius' house. So, one reason would be evangelism. Another reason, as we read today in 1 Corinthians, is strengthens the church with the gift of interpretation. So, what that would be is someone who has a prayer language and feels like I should pray in the spirit, it, it's going to be a now word for the church. But it's going to come, and we don't know why the Lord would do it this way. But we see um, allowance for that in Scripture. So someone comes up, and I've done this before, where I've prayed in a prayer language. Uh, I think a couple years ago during our Seek series, this happened on a Wednesday night. I prayed in a prayer language, and uh, Kyle, one of our prayer partners, got the interpretation. So it has in a public setting. The the guidelines of Scripture is you pray in that language, and then someone interprets it. So. We might wonder, like, why would God give us? Why would God ask us to do this or invite us to? Because it's the one thing you can't control. You can control if you allow it or not, because God's not going to force us. And and what I've learned, it seems to be the one gift that maybe unlocks all the others. This is is awesome. Uh, So a third reason and the primary, what I see primarily in scriptures is for a personal prayer language. We see this in 1 Corinthians 14. We see this in the book of Jude. uh, Personal prayer language that builds us up. And then uh, number four, it's a sign that we're walking in our faith. Jesus actually tells us this in Mark 16. These signs will follow those who believe. They will cast out demons. They will heal the sick. They will speak in other tongues. That's in your Bible? Unless you just dismiss that. I will not dismiss the words of Jesus. He tells us it's a sign. And we get excited about a missionary who encountered a demon. And we're like, yo, that's amazing. Oh, my gosh, he encountered a demon. uh, But they're like, oh, no, not that tongue sign. Well, Jesus, you're picking and choosing which ones you like. And this is the clash, isn't it? Listen, Paul said in verse 1 that we are to follow the way of love, exalt love. And he said, and desire gifts of the Spirit. So we... Exalt love, but we do not downplay the importance of the Holy Spirit working in our life. And let me just pause and say something. um, My heart, I I want to share my heart as a pastor before we move on. God is my witness. Like our heart is to gently lead people into this. There is no shame if you do this or don't. If you pray in the Spirit, you're not better than someone who doesn't. I think Paul's very clear that love is the great equalizer. And he actually says, if you do that and you don't have love, it's nothing. Which is why he, he's bringing both. He says, follow the way of love, but don't downplay it either. So for us, this is a very open-handed issue. And I get that there's, there's different, um, uh, we have different theologies on this. We can have that discussion, and I'm not afraid of it. And your, your theology doesn't diminish the view of mine. It's an open-handed thing, but I cannot be closed minded So my heart is to gently lead people to that. All right, so how do we walk in these if you want it? I can't believe I'm just out of time again. Uh, how, How do we activate the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our life? Number one, we have to be convinced they're actually for us. So you may have a religious tradition that has taught you otherwise, and I'm just going to just honestly say you've been under bad theology. I think it's bad theology to say that the gifts of the Holy Spirit don't operate anymore. They have no verses that support that. They, they have one verse that they improperly use her, hermeneutically. The reason why you have to be convinced is because if you're not convinced, you're not going to receive it. You cannot receive what you doubt to be true. You cannot receive any of these gifts of the Spirit if you doubt them. They're in you, though. They're, they're in you, and you. if you don't earnestly desire them, uh, you'll be resistant to it. 1 Corinthians 14.1, we'll read it. Uh, it's not on the screen, but I just want to reiterate. Follow the way of love, or eagerly desire. This word, follow and desire, in, that, in the Greek is what they call the imperative command. and. What it means—it's not—it means it's not a suggestion. Well, so when Paul says follow the way of love, he's not suggesting it. Hey, if you're going to be a Christian, you might want to consider being a loving person. No, it's—it's it's not a suggestion. It's what they call the—it's imperative. As a believer, you do this, and eagerly desired gifts of the Spirit. Both imperative commands. Exalt love, but don't downplay this. Right. So you have to want it. Um, Number two, prepare your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to empower you. It's really this simple that we just say, God, I want this. Because when Paul tells us that we can eagerly desire this, this word desire in the Greek means to be zealous for, to burn with desire, to pursue Um, intensely to desire intensely in the negative sense the it's associated with with the strength of envy or jealousy so it's like oh yeah I want that I'm jealous for that it's like this this intensity like that's what he's saying so you prepare your heart so some of us may have to say father forgive me because I've not I've not wanted this or I've been resistant to this Jesus said this in Luke chapter 11. This will be up on the screen, I believe. It says, how much more there is an increase of the Holy Spirit? Because your level of understanding of the Holy Spirit in your life is going to determine how much you experience. How much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So it's as simple as that. You just ask. So today we're not going to have altars filled with people and come and get your prayer language. You could do this in your car if you wanted to. Um, Jenny's grandmother was kind of the first spirit-filled believer I really got to know. I grew up in, in a very traditional church. So these things weren't, they maybe might have been talked about. They weren't taught, though. And so her grandma and her sis, twin sister read about reading the book of Acts. And they keep seeing this phrase "baptism of the Holy Spirit," and what they seen is often, not always, but often it would be in conjunction with a prayer language or, or the gift of tongues, multiple times. And so they wanted that. Now, and they were just naive about it. And so what they did is, and they learned that it often happened, like when uh, I'm trying to, when Ananias lays his hands on Paul. Or Paul in Acts chapter 19 lays his hands on the believers in Ephesus and they get a prayer language. So that's, that's what they see. So they just do that. And so they say, well, let's do this. Let's just, I want a prayer language. You want to, I don't know if they, they might've called it gift of tongues. I can't remember how she shared it with me, but she said, so grandma put her, sis, her hands on her sister and they prayed, Lord, fill her with the Holy Spirit. And And then her sister did the same thing. Nothing happened. They felt God, but nothing really happened. So then, uh, it's Jan and uh, Joe, yeah. Joe is her sister. So uh, Joe goes home. This is before cell phones. So she's in the car driving, and as she's driving, a prayer language comes on her. She just starts praying out loud, and, and just a prayer language comes on her. And as, she's, as she is left, Jan, at home, gets prayer language. Says, so uh, about 15 minutes later, the phone rings. And it's Joe, and she says, Jan, you're never going to believe what happens. So, said, well, you're never going to believe what happens. And she said, well, you go first. No, you go first. So uh, I don't remember which one goes first. But one says, I was driving. Joe says, I was driving in the car, and it happened. I got a prayer. Language. It worked. And Jan says, same thing. I went in the kitchen, and it just came on me, and I stepped into it. A prayer language. You don't need a, pa- you don't need a pastor to lay their hands on you. You can. But what you do is you prepare your own heart and just say, God, I want that. Now, if you need help coaching through that, we can do that. Um, number three, step out in faith and verbalize is what the Holy Spirit enables you. So it could be a prayer language, but it could be a word of encouragement. You know, one way you could just step out in faith is start asking the Lord every day, Lord, is there someone I could encourage today? Because that's what prophecy is. It's just encouraging other people and let the Holy Spirit prompt you in someone's face would come to mind or or someone's name might come in your spirit event might come up and uh you may remember that someone's going through a, a difficulty and the holy spirit reminds you of that and now you can step into in prophetic encouragement to that person it could also be a prayer language i shared last week that i had to step into it God's not going to grab your jaw and make you say things to people. God loves you. That's just the Holy Spirit talking through me. He's not going to do the same thing with tongues. He's not going to do that. He's He prompts you, and you must step into it and verbalize it. What I've learned is people won't speak. I, I've, heard, I've had people say to me uh, that... Um, I'll sense in the room that there's, a, there's a, a prophetic word that might be happening. So I'll get up and I'll say it. And then someone will come up to me and say, oh my gosh. Like, I heard the same thing before you said it. And I knew, like, why didn't you come tell me? It, you should have said it. You were hearing the Holy Spirit. And I believe because we doubt it. We're not stepping in faith. Look, you need to take the risk and step into that moment. And, and whether it's an encouraging word or a thought, you, need, you, you feel, it doesn't have to be weird. You don't go up to people and say, the Lord's told me to tell you. You could say, hey, I was praying for you and I sensed this. And you submit it to them. But it does take a bit of a, a risk. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. Since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, I want you these next three words, try to excel would you say that with me try to excel i looked in the greek it is there there's an invitation from god to excel in these things and those that build up the church or build up other people the fact that the word excel in the greek means to exceed uh to be in abundance to turn out abundantly last one is this so one, you'd be convinced it's for you. Two, prepare your heart, ask for it. Three, step in faith and just do it. Number four, steward what God gives you. Don't withhold. It's possible to grieve and limit the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 tells us, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And we read last week that the spirits of the prophet are subject to the control of the prophet. In other words, you can control it. You can obey God. You can dismiss it. But if he's given you something, do it. Let me say it differently. Practice it. That's what I'm trying to say. Steward it. Practice it. So if if you're getting encouraging words, keep practicing it. If you're getting a prayer language, pray uh, in your prayer language every single day. Paul tells us this in 2 Timothy 1, 6, and then we're going to pray. For this reason, I remind you, fan into flame the gift. That Greek word is charisma. That's the Greek word for gift here. Fan into flame the charisma of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Paul laid hands on Timothy, but he t- he tells us to f- stir it up. But Fan into flame. You know how that works, right? Like, when, when ember when it's just embers, this, this can happen. We can actually be have the Holy Spirit in us, but it's just embers. There's nothing really. We're not walking. And he says, so fan in the flame. How do you do that? Practice, practice, practice. Take the risk. So here was what we're going to do. We're just going to ask God to come and fall on us. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, I pray today that as Christians, we would Eagerly, We'd obey your word. We'd follow the way of love and eagerly desire these things so that we can speak encouraging words to the person that needs encouraging word. So that we can speak a word of comfort to the person who needs comforting. So we can give a strengthening word to someone who needs an an affirming word. Father, so that we could use and, and, and step into a prayer language so that we could build our own faith. So if you're here this morning and you just want the Holy Spirit, more of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus invited us to do this. If you just want more of the Holy Spirit, just lift your hands and we're going to ask him to fall. Father, all over the room, you see hands being lifted up and I pray, come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, you said, if we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more would you, with the Father in heaven, give The Holy Spirit to those who ask. And Father, I pray for a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that we would step into encouraging words, discerning words, knowledgeable words, wise words. Father, that we would have a prayer language if we wanted, that we just get in our car today, that we just, in our prayer closet tomorrow morning, we just pray in the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray. Holy Spirit, come as we submit this to you in Jesus' name.